Oh boy. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, what's your take on active versus passive pickups in a guitar? Mostly uh, a bass. I feel like everybody passive. So yeah. Does that mean you have to have the, the nine, nine volt, volt battery? Batter? Yeah. You know, I don't know about that. I think you get a crisper sound. I think that sounds good when you're playing with uh, on an acoustic. Crisper sound. Oh. Right. Do they make do they make um active I feel like like metal like new metal bass players always have active pickups. Like uh, uh they're not and new metal, but like is that because they want to pick up that You know how it kind of sounds like 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 uh, if you're on a bridge and like the cables are being whipped around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is it is it because that's what they're trying to pick up is that, is just have more of a, a sensitivity so, to that? Yeah, I mean, I've only been playing bass for 18 years or something like that. That's um all. and yeah, and my takeaway from it is that they are probably they usually are finger picking. And so my thought is they have to they don't have to pick as hard and it's getting picked up. So it's sort of what you're saying, but it's less of the the bridge the the bridge twang, the suspension bridge twang you're thinking about. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm. I always want my bass tone to sound as close to Mark Hoppus on like "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket" era as possible. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, and and now I'm I'm unfamiliar with how they install the battery on those ones. So on a, on an acoustic, it's right on the the outer edge, right, right. Uh, so uh-huh, you have the yeah, access yeah, 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 to the, yeah. the the gain and uh, the volume there. Correct. And so usually, do they don't f- they have like they have like an EQ sometimes? Like I have an acoustic bass, yes. like it has a piezo pickup. And it also takes a battery. And then sometimes they even build tuners into those, which I think is like, I'm all about like the active portion of that. Like put some tools in there. That's pretty cool. Um, right. For bass players, I believe the cover comes off of the pickup or something. I, I've never done it myself. Um, but I think there's a way that like maybe it's under the pick guard. But I for some reason, I feel like the pickup like uh, has like a little door. You can take the the, the cover off the pickup and, and replace the battery that way. But. Wait, is it each pickup or is, or just one pickup that has the housing in it? Uh, I mean, usually it's like P bases. So I, f- I again, I don't know, but I mean, if you're doing one active, they're kind of both active, right? Okay, I just figured if one's got the if one's got hollowed out for uh, a battery pack, isn't that sort of compromising whatever you know hardware I think integrity? It all fits in the space of a normal passive pickup. Okay. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm very, the only thing that I know of are, are what humbucker pick, pickups look like, and that, which just looks like that has two to single do with coils how the coil wired is, together. Yeah, how they're yeah. wound or something, right? Right, and, and, the, and the three single coil pickups. Everything else beyond that is just so out of my realm with electric. Um, the guitars that I have, I was, I, I bought the, the Stratocaster was a gift, right? So that was one that I was looking at, but the other ones... My uh, my Ibanez Iceman was a gift. Ibanez, that's got to yeah, have has, active pickups. It yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened to it? So my buddy uh, Mike Canal. Do you know Mike Canal? No. So he was in Halifax. Yeah, pretty big Whoa, band. Oh yeah. yeah, right. For so, a while, and yeah. and uh, and he ended up giving this to me. It was one of those guitars that he grew up with, and it's got a little picture of Felix right in the center, and cool. and my son points at it and says the Kitty Cat guitar. <laughs> but I tried my best, man, and, and I didn't. I guess apparently didn't spend enough time, or uh, I didn't look at it deeply enough. But I tried to. It, it, the wiring was screwed up, so I tried to rewire it. And I've I've rewired a Stratocaster before um, on a f- five way pickup or a five way a switch, and it worked fine. So I thought, oh, this is going to be the same thing. Uh-huh. But this thing, it something's backed up because it 
if you turn it on, it's just it unless it's cranked up to the max, which maybe this is this is how it's supposed to work. Oh yeah, well, who uh, doesn't play the guitar? All know, the way to right, I, I turn it to eleven. Yeah. Um, it, it it makes a like a, a really loud um buzz. So there's something where oh, electricity something's is not being grounded. Routed. I don't know what that exactly. means, but people say it all the time. Right. Yeah. There's a grounding issue with <laughs> literally it no one in the history of the world has ever actually grounded their guitar, but they will always tell you that. Oh yeah, you got There's something not grounded in there. <laughs> you gotta Clearly, get yes. in there. You gotta get in there. Well, yeah, oh, that's man. when they become the experts because everyone knows what it is. They just yeah. don't know what causes it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, like, uh, that's crazy that you did that. I, I get super, cre- uh, like, uh, nervous when I, I... So, I bought... I have a, a P-Bass, uh, and it's a Squire that I bought. It was, like, one of the first ones I got. It's red and white. I got it red because Marty McFly plays a red guitar in Back to the Future. So, I always... Growing up, I always wanted a red guitar, and finally, like a year and a half ago, I finally went on eBay and I bought Seymour Duncan quarter pound pickups because the same ones Mark Hoppus uses. And I installed them myself and I had to get a coworker who had a solder gun. I was like, I've never done this before. And he was like kind of very much actually Charlie, the guy that did our music for the show. Um, right. He uh, he gave me the thing, but like it was very much like oh, you got to ground the thing. Like, I got no instruction on how to do it. <laughs> like, so, uh, but he supplied everything. So who can argue with that? So I did it at and, work and I don't have a tone knob anymore, which is, oh wait, no, no, no. This is what happened is I, I wired it and I was like, well, I just need volume. Like, I want the pure sound of the pickup. So I wired what I thought was just the volume knob to be on and off and then no tone knob, which would give it the cleaner uh, sound. Uh, I actually only have a tone knob, no volume knob now, but there's no buzz, so I must have grounded something correctly. But <laughs> it, it's so such a bypass, daunting, crazy. It, if you bypass the tone, that 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 yeah. uh, I guess it would be a, a pot, right? Is what yeah. they refer to those as. Uh, yeah, I know. Does, why why do they? Why can't they just call I, it a knob? It's a I, fucking I knob. <laughs> so when that's cranked up to the max. Uh-huh. Like let's say when I when I play the bass, you know, I'll I'll just rake my fingers across both and just turn them up to the max. Is of that course. the same thing? Yeah, when you rake when you rake it all the way forward, that's the clean, and then when you do it down, it's kind of fat. Like it right. sounds like a, yeah, I don't know, yeah, shitty. Um, uh, yeah. So I did <laughs> so a lot of googling. Permanent. I did I a lot it. of googling, and yeah, if you bypass it, then it's clean because basically when you're making it sound muffled, that's when you're affecting the pickup. And then like, I think I bought these extra pots. It was like, oh, somebody was like, oh, you should put 500s in there. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that means. I ended up just leaving the original. Um, And sometimes people will be like, oh, if you get a buzz, you got to replace the pot. Anyway, all of this is to say, I love the bass. I think it sounds really fat. And some people like it to sound lean. Hey, this is Jimmy Pod. Oh man, I was like, uh, I was connecting the dots as we were doing it. I was like, we could make this work. This could work. That was great. <laughs> well, I'll have to, I'll have to share my, uh, I'll have to share my cold open uh, oh, idea fuck. with you a little bit later, because um, oh, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Fucking, at some point, yeah, and, cre- have it creep up on me, baby. Oh yeah, for sure. We didn't talk yeah, about absolutely. this beforehand. The um, yeah, this is all. I love it. It's all a surprise, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's Everything's a like fucking it. surprise. Our text message today. Were you going to bring that up? <laughs> Um, we don't, don't have to talk about what the to. song is. We don't have to talk about what the yeah, song okay, is. Okay, well, let's see this. So, Jimmy World does a lot of covers, right? This was one of, <laughs> one of the most... Um, un, I didn't even suspect that... I knew it was a cover. It says, okay, this is a cover. This is not an original. And I never 
connected the dots as to who they were covering because of the title of this song. And I know we're, we're, we're all almost you like, you wrote know, we're, to me we're edging these And you people said, here. oh, and there's a cover on the B-side. And I was like, no, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> was I, oh, that's not it. That's not it. dead ass straight face. I was like, no, it's you, not. You didn't even, yeah, you didn't even like, it was not, oh, that's not real. You were, you were, you replied within a couple of seconds. Oh, that's not real. <laughs> I was um, like, dude, so just play the song. It's very clearly not that song. <laughs> anyway, that's and not then you, this then song. And then you go through but. the lyrics, but yeah. So that was another thing that I came across. So if you can, if you want to look at the, um, I guess this will be this is going to be the next episode song, right? But uh, this next song, if if you were to, I, it would be episode nine song. Look into that song a little bit deeper and find out maybe what album it's associated with. I'm sure you could do the math and figure out which song we're talking about. But it was a <laughs> mind blower. Oh right? man, crazy! Yeah, I, I yeah I, yeah. We'll post screenshots of our text message conversation when we get back to that episode because. I thought you were being silly. I thought you're, I was like, what a silly guy. What a silly, funny thing to say. Right. And it's, and it's, <laughs> did I put it in quotes? Um, because I ripped it straight from the Wikipedia article. And I thought this, you know, sometimes because this is, this is, uh, you know, it's open to the public, it's crowdsourced, that sort of thing is this could be wrong. Right. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I quoted that or not. Yeah. Let me look back. It's right here. Oh, wait, I just realized you said episode nine was that song. No, no, no. The oh, song okay. we're going to be doing for episode nine is uh, the one I was researching. And uh, then you came across that. And then got I came it. across got this it, one. It, yes. It, I don't know. Even, I don't even know where this song well, is Because I moved some there. stuff around. So yeah, episode gotcha. nine is going to now fit within the season because now that we're on a weekly schedule, episode nine will fit within Tis the Season. Um, yeah. So uh, you can you can submit this. <laughs> you can oh, submit you know what the, people the could do? Here. I they said it matter-of-factly, dude. With their predictions... 484 J Eat Pod and let us know what they think the song is. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, 484 J Eat Pod, right? I, yeah, I'm guessing. I'm g- guessing on that uh, on that area code, but it sounds right. <laughs> for yeah, it, it, I think 484 is right. So I said it very matter of factly. No quotes, nothing. The the B side was a cover of, and then you and then a a, a sort of surprised emoji face, and then you <laughs> said just so quick. No, it's not. LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Period. That's it. He's no, it's not. Goose. <laughs> you idiot. Uh, yeah. So that was a revelation that I was not ex- expecting to to come across this afternoon. Yeah, man, uh, crazy. Yes. Uh, but today so, is lean. Today is lean, and uh, and they are very lean on the content on this one, right? Yeah. So, uh, I, what do you think of lean? So, uh, when we talked about it in a previous episode and said, "Well, we're doing you know lean next," and I thought to myself, "I don't even know what song that is." And nope. I had to go back and listen because, and then after I listened to it, oh, this is the damage track. This is this is track three on there. It, it you know, I knew exactly which song we were talking about. Yeah. But um, it's one of those that just sort of I'll pass over. It's not like I'll advance the track, but yeah. it's one of those that's just kind of on. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what's going to be my take away from it. Um, I'm going to tell you. Uh, so the opening like chords kind of sound like another Jimmy World song to me a little bit. Did you hear it at all? I did. Well, so are you talking about the sound of the guitar or the, just the chords themselves? Sort of like the chords and the, the. anyway, to me, it sounds kind of like Carry You. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, very I would, similar I would, uh, to that. I agree with that. Um, I guess I kind of like Carry You more, but I don't dislike Lean. It's there. It's there. And uh, and yeah, I was sort of interested to see uh, if it if people were sort of on the same page as us, what's interesting is it seems to be a popular opinion to think it's a popular opinion to dislike the song. Um, 
of which I found nothing objectionable about it. It's there. It's kind of forgettable. But in right. doing that research, at least on the one website I went to, Chorus FM, um, it's just a bunch of people talking about how it's top 10 for them. It's not a top 10 for me, but those people, I did I did the smallest amount of digging to see if anybody absolutely loves this song and did not have to go far. Like, it's a, a banger to a ton of people, so. Right, right, um, yeah. It, and it's, um, there when when I've done the research before with other songs, I've had to actually go a few pages in and do extra searches, right? You know, like subtracting words, like the survivor and all that stuff. This one actually came up in several top level results that uh, was surprising me. And and I know we're going to get to the community section of it a little bit later, but um, so while the, the stuff, details yeah. on lean are lean, the fandom is not Right. And this one again, <laughs> again. So, well, let's start out with the song, with the actual meaning of the song. So I, I, I like to take a stop at songmeanings.com, right? First. Oh man, I didn't dig that they've part. Got, <laughs> this is going to be one, a bunch of me listening to all of this for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> there is, um, one comment on this and it's, it's a gracious comment. You know, it's, it's saying this is from, uh, Jarrett Castillo, right? So four years ago, actually, Almost to the day four years ago. Whoa. Uh, and he says two people consider themselves to be at low points of their lives of the opposite gender, not looking to hook up with each other. One of them just needs another one to lean on, needs them to vent to, to realize they're not that different from everyone else, to realize they can succeed. I love mm-hmm. this song. Easy to relate to. We've all had the opposite gender friend we rely on to keep us afloat. I don't know about the whole we've all had a, an opposite gender friend, but I get what he's trying to say. And I'm trying to look at the song... One one step a little bit deeper because I don't think that that the band and I'm I'm gonna ask you who you think wrote put the lyrics down because I'm seeing I'm getting you know different references from different sources. Interesting. I, I can't why. imagine hmm. they would write this song and and say this is it for the, the, take it for its face value at face value right. There's gonna be something a little bit deeper. So yeah, and and any artist I see a little bit of um, emotion placed into something. So my thought is just more of a codependence on somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost like if you're in a long-term relationship with somebody and that falls apart, the time you spent together, you've sort of gained this relationship. Uh, I don't know if it, what the right term would be. If it's it's just kind of like an unhealthy uh, relationship, you're kind of keeping up with each other. Oh, what have you done? Have you been dating lately? And you're sort of leaning on them for emotional support and it's unhealthy because or both like a relationship you're afraid to end type Absolutely, of deal. that yeah. too you're you you uh yeah I, I could see that for sure yeah and is this the first damage track that we've done i think so yeah i kind of okay, tried so can to we go on and say that this is yeah i and so this is the first one that is we can openly say that this album is the jimmy world has said this is the breakup album the adult breakup album right, right. Okay, so then, and that's what I'm trying to think in the back of my head when I'm hearing these songs, um, and, and this one especially. I don't want to take it for what it what I'm reading it as, and so I'm trying to just take every line that I you know I can't lean on you. I fall it is just they they you can't just go half half heartedly listen to them. You have to just kind of gush and fall into them for um, emotional support, and and that's that's where I'm thinking this song is coming from. It's just one of those where it's. It's just two people in an unhealthy relationship that uh, can't seem to find anyone that takes their mind off of one another. 
I think that's the you're saying that's your surface level interpretation, or that's your deeper. That's my one level. That's my one. I if I was to peel back deeper, one, yeah. I mean, I'd still say that's surface level. So you're already way deeper than song meanings guy from four <laughs> years ago today or whatever. Yeah, and and in, when we when I go over to the the page that 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 has uh, lean on you know people's top. Uh, they'll have like a top three for each album and yep. it shows up a few times. Right. And, and the, the justification they say is just the, the depth of that song and what it actually means and uh, is deeper than what it is. But you're right. D- listening to the lyrics, if you don't listen to them very deeply, you listen to just the music. It's, it's somewhat, um, you know, it's an easy listening song. It's got the, at least it's got a guitar solo in it. Right. Yep. Now, what if I, I, I am not a lyrics guy. We've talked about this. We're on, what, episode eight already talking about yeah. <laughs> how, right. uh, so I listened to it pretty passively, and then I sort of like was, I was cleaning the house, had the song on loop, and I, the I'm not looking, I'm not asking for a fix stood out to me, and it made me think, what if it's not a, a, a fix as in a repair, what if it's a fix like a hit, like, um, like a substance, like if it's not a person, if it's a thing, and if you think this was, this album came out in 2013, probably writing it in 2012, Jim more recently with the with the uh, album cycle for Surviving has been talking about Survive Surviving S U R V I V I G okay yes <laughs> um, Surviving uh, has talked about him being sober now and being dependent on alcohol for so long, um, which is so funny because he's always been such like a constant to me. Um, not crazy, not uh, not too subdued, like very constant. He seemed that way for me, uh, like at a seven at all times to me. So uh, that he was grappling with these demons that we didn't even, weren't evident at least to me. Maybe he wrote this song about that. Now, that's me saying 20 minutes ago while I was cleaning the house, I had this thought in my mind after doing absolutely no research on the song. Um, but that's my one level maybe deeper. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's dumb. That's. I mean, that's that's good. I, I I read that that article and and my thought on that was he's um and and I think this is a uh, a sort of side effect or a positive side effect or, or a result of somebody who is successful in developing their own business, entrepreneurship, or starting and and uh, continuing and maintaining a band is these people that aren't super wishy washy. And I feel like the whole because he brought it up as a comment in this in this interview, like, hey, you know, alcohol was this thing. I think that that was sort of one of those things where he wasn't really he hasn't made a decision one way or another on it. And it was just one of those things where why am I even bothering with this if, um, you know, it's not benefiting me. Uh, it's more of a, a crutch that I'm leaning on if I'm going to go hang out with somebody or meet them up for a drink or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say, I'm done with it. That's one less thing I got to worry about. Sure, yeah. And you can focus more. And you know, that's kind of how I saw it. It's just not, it may not, not have a been, uh, not a. I went to rehab and had a problem. Yeah. thing. more of a uh, why? <laughs> yeah, because because I think cleanliness in in music is an important thing because you can go. Uh, you you can go to a, a bar and and see these people on the side right before they're going on pounding pounding beers or maybe doing some kind of other narcotic or something just you know to go on have a good time play their show and then come off you know you can only do that for so long and if you're going to be a band that's going to be trying to continue and be healthy and not have any kind of infighting you've got to eliminate these things that are problems um, and and also if if we're talking about a breakup album there's ten tracks on here they can't all be about <laughs> breaking up with somebody of uh, even like 
a human, not yeah. even gender aside, right? A boy yeah. or a girl is just, it's got to be breaking up or quitting um, something. And I think that's a great, um, that's a great, you know, it's a sort of. It can be applied thought. universally. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's a really good one. And just from one line, I'm not asking for a fix. Yeah. And then uh, what about song structure? Um, it's really interesting to me. The chorus is uh, what eight lines long, seven lines long, and the verses are only three. Yeah, and they do the chorus three times. So the last structure that we had talked about was verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, done. Um, yeah. And now they've got the, the third chorus that they tack on the end. Interesting. Just really, you know, hammering that home, man. I'm not asking for a fix. I just need you close to reach. I like the guitars in this song. I like they're they're kind of doing what we were talking about with uh was it the closer ep- closer episode? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, where uh, it's like got that kind of otherworldly, like high up on the neck, constant note that's kind of hanging out. Um, so I talked about that on futures where the second time they come in after, so they'll do uh, they do the verse. And then they do straight into a chorus. And then when they come back in, they do a little musical break and come back into the second one. And it's the same type of guitar underneath the chord. But either um, Tom or or Jim is just sitting there up on the neck, just, you know, raking his finger across that and playing that higher chord. And it just it it drives the song. It just yeah. makes you think, OK, now we're in second gear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I agree. They have that. That's a definite sound. And I think he gets that from that's something that Jim plays because he's got the uh, the Telecaster. And that sounds really mm. good when strumming just mm-hmm. in general. It's a really good because because of the pickups that are on that thing. Yeah. Going back to the actual hardware, right? Oh, well, I was going to talk. I was going to say that you're you're sort of starting to pivot into the sound of the album, which I think gets lamented a lot. Um, and I didn't know if you wanted to go into the production. Yeah, so let's do let's do that. So this was this took a little bit of searching, but um, so I found that this album was recorded at um, and I'm I don't know if I'm butchering his name, but is it <laughs> Alan Johannes? That sounds good to me. Okay, Alan Johannes, right? So this guy has done work with. Uh, let me. I don't want to. I don't want to mess this one up either. So he's done work with Queens of the Stone Age. Yep. And uh, there was another band that he had um, done work with that he is down here on his Wikipedia page. And it is escaping me right now. But he's a pretty well-known musician, composer. I saw Levin was one of them. Yeah, and I I think that's one of his bands. Them Crooked Vultures, but isn't that a Queens of the Stone Age Yeah, that's another. Eagles uh, of Death Metal, that's basically (laughs) Queens of the Stone Age. Right, it's the same band, just a different. Arctic um, Monkeys, that's one of those bands that are, I feel like, always on K-Rock and always playing like... uh, Festival shows, and I, have, I I could not tell you one Arctic Monkeys song. <laughs> Their first album was really good, and I remember I was going to CSUN at the time, and I had that, I want to say, um, at that time, I was still listening to compact discs in my truck. <laughs> ah, so I had that one. That was a good one that uh, had a, several compact tracks in a row that, were, that would pump, pump me up for uh, you know TV production, man. I was ready to oh, go. Yeah. Got to recoil um, those so, cables, baby. <laughs> so they recorded this at Alan Johannes's home in Los Angeles. So, and this guy, they, they seem to be really on board with him as a, uh, as a producer. He had a very open mind, had a lot of great ideas. Uh, and I'll even say this regarding Johannes's contributions. Adkins stated, he's an amazing solo artist. We met him and he just had the best ideas for what we wanted to do. He felt like the right guy. We have a better idea of what we want now. So we didn't need someone that was heavy handed. And do you think that means Trombino? 
<laughs> right? Well, we wanted someone um, to be I mean, more like a partner. They're far removed from Trombino yeah, at, at that point. point. Right. Who yeah, produced a, Invented, which was right before? Who produced that one? Yeah. I wonder. Well, let me look at that Let's one because we were just, that one is definitely, that was Mark Trombino. So they were three years. Oh, um, that's right. So they went back to Mark and then them. went away from Mark. Oh, yikes. Yes. Fuck, yeah. So fuck. this one, they wanted someone where they got, maybe they had learned enough from Mark and they felt like, we just want someone, and this is the last thing that Jim went to say, is we wanted someone to be more like a partner, an ideas guy with fresh ears. Mm. And, it, you know, it's one of those situations where they're in a house with musical instruments. There's a drum set in the living room. There's stuff hanging around. So it's very conducive to creativity and artistry. Yeah. So it was just a, it's a different vibe for them. Now, and, uh, so, was, yeah, the, the sound is different, too. Well, so that's what I was going to ask. A couple things that I've read, and maybe you can correct me because you've done more research than I have on this one. Um, uh, this re- album was recorded to tape, yes? Yes. Okay. Some parts tape. Oh, okay. And some parts through Pro Tools. Right, yeah. I can't, I, yeah, I can't imagine anybody doing full tape now. Um, like, think about the loop they did in Goodbye Sky Harbor, and they literally looped the tape around a mic stand to get it to do the length of loop that they wanted. And, uh, like, just the effort there alone, like, you're just going to use Pro Tools if you're going to loop something that long. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you're not going to be, like digging in to try to do that and then people say i'd never thought of it before until we started the podcast and i start looking more into jimmy eat world as a band itself and less on the surface like i always have and it seems that people think that this is a very raw album and what's funny is now looking at the producer i've always found queens of the stone age and related bands almost unlistenable because of just how raw they sound yet i like damage so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Well, it's yeah, and, it, and it's probably the same sort of approach, um, but it's with Jimmy World as the band, who is already a very tight, clean band. They're not going to get and, and, you know, I love it. I love how they don't overdo this because then it might actually uh, ruin this sort of sweetness here. Pun intended, right? <laughs> the uh, like the end of surviving, right? How they do that sort of I would love seeing those types of uh, just a, a musical breakdown that is very hard, very much in your face, just around the drums, bass, uh, and really crunchy guitar. They don't do that very often, but when they do include that in an album, I love it because it makes yeah. me th- it makes me think that there's there's definitely some hard rock. Bones yeah, I'm hoping in that's like body. a new trend because I remember when they right. released a teaser for Integrity Blues with the past the baby breakdown, and I was like what the fuck is this? And I turned to Susie. I'm like, look at what they've done. (laughs) And at that point, we hadn't heard the context of the album. We didn't know that like the album is nothing like the breakdown of past the baby. Um, Right. But I would almost say that congratulations is the past the baby of surviving. So, um, uh, and what's funny is everyone's like, Oh my God, it's so big and so out there. I, I think past the baby takes the cake. If you wanted to compare and contrast almost because it's like, I don't know what time signature it is and we'll get into it on that episode, but I don't think it's four, four. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if, if Zach gets as much love as he, as he deserves with a lot of the stuff that he includes. And oh, that yeah. one with, I don't know who sort of and directed he does it live. That. He can pull it off live. Like that's right. the impressive part. It's yeah. not just that Zach played it on the album. It's that he rips that live because those snare hits aren't hitting on the one and the three or the two and the four. Like, right. Yeah. And, and they just, 
it it builds too. So it's it's that same one, but it just it builds on itself. And the last one, you think it's the last one, and I do this even with the the track when I'm listening to it at home. Is I think this is the last one, and then it goes again for one more measure. <laughs> And I think that's that's what I like about this band is that they're pushing themselves a little bit and they got a little bit more of a raw sound. But overall, Jimmy Eat World is sort of a they kind of keep it at that safe level. They're experiment, you know, they experiment a bit, but they they keep the music at that sort of nothing too crunchy and, and experimental mm-hmm. um, to where it's like this is unlistenable. But you're right, them you know them crooked vultures. If you're looking for something that's that's got kind of a almost like a stank to it and they're just kind of shoving it through <laughs> distorted. Yeah, I, don't, I don't dig stank, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a huge stank guy. I mean, I like it every now and then. I think it has its place, but sure. it's uh it's, it doesn't belong on a, a Jimmy world album. <laughs> so right? say, uh, so say we <laughs> yes. stay out of my gym. We are, we are the authority <laughs> except damage um, is good. So I don't know. I think they did a good job. It's not too stanky. Yeah. No, no, it's just stanky enough. Now, did you see, did you see, how would you feel about this if you had this credit? So you've got this mixed by, um, did you see this on Discogs? No, I ha- I'm, I'm loading it up. I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. there. Okay, so it's mixed by James Brown, too. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. So, <laughs> this is, There's this is James stank. Brown with a, a two in parentheses, and uh, I clicked on his bio, and he kind of looks like, um, uh, why can't I think of his name? He's in uh, <laughs> Matchbox 20. <laughs> Rob Thomas? He looks just like Rob Thomas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but he's obviously not the original James Brown. Yeah. And if there is, if there is a James Brown one, he's not even him. Uh, so this was mixed by James Brown, and he is an engineer and producer uh, that came over from across the pond and now works in uh, the United States uh, mixing stuff. And, uh, you know, I thought it was really well done as far as the the mixing goes. You know, given the the raw um, nature of that sound, it was yeah. it was mixed fine. It, it didn't seem like it was all funky. And um, which one? Oh, it was you were good, right? So we'll get to that oh, at a love, later you time. Were good. That's a good one, right? That's a good. And closer. we'll talk about that in detail. The, the little bit of a story behind, or the the backstory behind, you know, how that song was recorded. But it was just, it was unconventional. It just seemed like, mm-hmm. all right, let's let Jim do his thing. Um, and they ended up using that on the album, right? So I yeah. don't know if that was a, a decision on um, Alan's part, or if that was something where James said, okay, this take is the best one. Let's just, um, we'll stick with this one. Sure. So James Brown too had his hand in mixing this. Um, I, I imagine he he mixed the whole album. I didn't see any other. I don't see any, and I yeah, knowing Discogs, we're not on the same post here. <laughs> uh, you know what? And that's another thing. It took me about eight or nine different tries because there's the Japan release. Always there was a European release. A- any and extra one, tracks on any of those? You know, I didn't even look. I was uh, just looking for the U.S. Um, release. Or for J E Pod. <laughs> <laughs> people yes. are really hitting us on twitter and stuff with some corrections and stuff which i love um, yeah but wouldn't you love to hear your own voice on, on the, the pod uh, and on the pod? we have a great outgoing message i think i never yeah. fixed it but i think it sounds okay i don't know it depends yeah. on how look let call 484 je pod let us know how the outgoing message sounds <laughs> yeah we just want to make sure that it works we've even had a, pe- a couple people just call and then yeah. not leave a message and i right? know your phone numbers <laughs> right <laughs> But don't let that scare you, right? No. Just call us up. <laughs> call me. And uh, yeah, okay. So let's go back to the the statistics of this. This one was, and I'm getting mixed up with the labels here. So now they're back. They're with RCA now. 
uh, what were they, they before? They are with... currently on RCA. They licensed this to RCA. So again, d- uh, along with again, I have not seen now. Jim was recently on a podcast talking about recording the albums him themselves, um, and then selling the finished product to a label. So there's no hands because I think they had a bad falling out um, with Capital. Um, Capital, right? They were on. Capital? Well, no, the the last one was Interscope, and they were they were stoked about Interscope. But before, so I'm thinking of Cap- before Jim, yes. before uh, Bleed American, um, right? So it it was it was Clarity. Capital. They got dropped, and it was a whole thing. Right. They just didn't want to deal with that anymore, and mostly because they they liked the people they got signed with, and then all those people got laid off and fired. And I feel like I hear that same story all the damn time. Is that these labels hire on all these people, A&R people, they sign a bunch of bands, and then those people get let go, and those bands are left dead in the water. Um, there's a band I love, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to get Brian, the lead singer, on our podcast called La Bouquet, and he just, th- their EP, Heavy Sunshine, just celebrated two years of release. And he talks about how much of a pain in the ass it was with their label being bought out by a major and them getting dropped, and they couldn't even release the album that they produced. And it's just so ridiculous. Anyway, if we have Brian on the show, we can have him tell the story as much as he wants to. But um, labels suck. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's an industry that I have no no idea of how that, that works. And I imagine it's there's so many people clamoring to get into it. You yeah. Know, and we've heard the thing. It's just there's the big the big fat cat record exec coming around throwing his cash. You know, you've, we've seen it as far back as Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? With uh, Ashley and uh, she got snowed with. With oh, her on the, label, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it goes. You know, it's it's all it's in all kinds of pop culture. The fact that 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 exists, yeah, and, and that's a shame. But it's a, again, it's an industry. I'm just totally unaware of how that how that works. So Me I'd too. love to hear Brian um, tell us that story. Yeah, I mean, because also Brian, the lead singer of Labuke, and I'll wrap this up. He was a he was the drummer of that band, The Neighborhood, that had that sweater weather song. Um, oh. and he ended up leaving. I think he got kicked out of that band. Again, he can tell this whole story if he wants to. And, um, it's pretty insane seeing, cause I didn't know anything about, I didn't really care about the neighborhood. Um, but I discovered La Bouquet on its own, fell in love with La Bouquet. And then I started seeing all these like neighborhood stands, like in the comments, like basically like cyber bullying him and like tell him like you should kill yourself and all this stuff and even the band the neighborhood photoshopped him out of their platinum record plaque and that just seems so like fucked up anyway music industry sucks <laughs> wow that sounds pretty that sounds like a sad brian story. seems like brian seems like a great guy la bouquet heavy sunshine was the ep that they released two years ago new record uh that came out earlier this year uh name escapes me at the moment Sad People Dancing is the name of the record. Also amazing if you like fun pop rock music. Anyway. <laughs> well, I'm going to check them out. You should. We'll put a link in the comments <laughs> or whatever. I don't know where they go. Right. They're going to go somewhere. You'll find it. Don't worry. We'll put it somewhere. The uh, So you're right. They, Jimmy World shopped around for labels, right? And then they just they present what they have. Yeah, basically. And then the yeah. album bids. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I, okay, I would so assume exactly the management gets that. Uh, they probably have all these contacts at labels and they set meetings and play the record again. I don't know if that's how it goes. That's how it goes in my head that they they basically get their thing mastered and then walk around and shop it. And okay. this one was on RCA, which I think surviving also is. Do we know what um, what Integrity Blues was on? 
Oh boy, I was just looking at Invented, which was Interscope. Um, so they went so Interscope, was, RCA, and then RCA again. So this is their third RCA record in a row surviving. Okay, good for them. Yeah. Okay. Let me just. Um, I think that's it for the the sort of the, the, the statistics, right? <laughs> now I did want to go to the community because there were a few things that um, that I did want to talk about. So it said there's this user on Reddit that uh, a month ago. Uh, JG429, I don't know who you are, JG429, Jerry Grant 429, (laughs) but uh, started something, and I haven't followed up on this to see if he's continued, but Song of the Week, Lean, okay, submitted a Oh, he is doing those every week. Oh, great, yeah, it was so funny, I was like, oh, I should, I should, uh, uh, it would suck to completely reconfigure our, uh, our order of episodes, but I was like, oh, fuck, we should definitely do the ones that have already been done. (laughs) Right, and it would be nice. I'm sure we'll cross. Maybe we can coordinate with him yeah. or her and and try and get one where there's like a release on the same day and we can or, just kind of have like, a little well, collaboration. I'm glad that we're finding this for the lean episode because facts were so lean, but anything that we have trouble finding stuff on, be like, hey, can you do one of those for this song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Just yeah. to kind of drum up the... Uh, yeah. And I even had a conversation with this Because we're not going to do it. At this point, what are we? Recording episode eight... And episode two is already out, and we haven't said shit about the podcast on the subreddit. We I know, man. I'm waiting us. for that organic. You know what, though? We're gonna have Pebble Swift on there, and I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Oh, feed that's it right. To that's when it's gonna blow you know, up. It's we'll already see, blown we'll up if, at this point. Hey guys, yeah. hi everybody on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Sieves ended up. Did you see Sieves ended up getting back to me? Not with a very close. We got to DMs. That's as far as we got. Uh, because Siebes wanted to know what exactly it was for. So I explained to them, I said, oh, this is for, you know, this is for a podcast where we highlight certain songs and, and, or every song rather, but (laughs) certain songs don't have any covers. So we're just kind of, we want to hear something. We want to hear what the fans have. Um, I was really hoping for um, an 11th hour submission. I said, I will, I will recut this. I said, I'm leaving on a trip on Friday, but I am (laughs) willing to stay up till midnight to recut this. Did you find it? No, I didn't get it. Oh, okay. Which is a bummer, but it's okay. You know, yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's, hey, we're not gonna. Okay. You know, we're we not should have do, covers. And this is super behind the cu- curtain. If he ever does get it to us, fuck it, we'll just upload a new file to the RSS feed, and yeah. then <laughs> people have to go back and listen to it, and it'll just be a, a a chop right in the middle of the episode with that one cover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if anyone's uh, found our uh, our secret embedded um, hidden. Oh episode, yeah, right? so yeah, uh, we we teased it on the teaser episode. Um, but if you do go into the source code of the website, there is a link to the original episode zero. So, and there is a password hashtag Penny Loaf um, <laughs> uh, to get in and, and actually yeah. download and listen to it. No it's, hashtag uh, it's required. Great listening. <laughs> this was this was <laughs> this was the the first re- was this was the actual first recording uh, from the uh, the uh, conception of the the podcast right yeah it was like us like i think we had talked on the phone for maybe five minutes before we hit record and we probably hadn't talked since like what the dodger game 10 right. years before the last <laughs> that, was a that was a great game though remember it was 2013 and it was one of the best dodger games i'd ever been to i want to say we were playing the tampa bay rays and the dodgers were down and we came back and won that game. And actually, in 2013 was the beginning of this Dodgers postseason run. It was such a great game to be right. At. Anyway, that was yeah. Hey, that was I, I forgot. Uh, I forgot who they were playing. <laughs> I believe it was Tampa Bay Rays. 
And I believe Hanley Ramirez came in the clutch on that game and really started the whole like scoring um, uh, uh, route. Hanley that the Dodgers went on. Hanley the manly. Yeah, is he still playing? Uh, he's probably been traded, right? Oh, Hanley of course. Ramirez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't know if he's. Still um, but I mean, around a few times. Sure. Yeah. Since oh man, and as of right now, when now, we're recording, the oh, it's he's a free oh, agent. Free agent, of course. He probably didn't finish the season like Matt Kemp, right? Yeah, <laughs> we could probably have a whole team of free agent ex Dodgers. Um, I always hope to see. Uh, um, uh, God, he's only the greatest Dodger to ever live. Um, Andre Ethier. I always, I always like want to see him around. <laughs> yeah, um, they should have like a Dodgers X team where it's just all yeah. the the ex players, the top ones. It's well, they like do have like back- the old timers game, and sometimes they'll bring like those types of players back, like Nick Punto. Played who played in that 2013 game we saw. Um, uh, he played in an old timers game and he's like 38 or whatever he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Chase Utley can probably play in the old timers game now. <laughs> Jeez. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Silver Fox. So, anyway, uh, and then to end <laughs> this baseball talk, which is like the most pop punk thing we could possibly do, um, we are uh, on the eve of game six of the World Series. Who do you got for the World Series? By the time this episode um, airs, we will have already forgotten who's playing in the World Series, so it'll be exciting to hear our predictions for a game that was two months ago. Right. Um, would I be in the minority if I said the uh, the you Astros? Not fucking say the uh, God damn it, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> they God. they came back. <sighs> Fuck the Astros. I was at Game Seven when you Darvish threw that garbage game. <laughs> And the Astros, I had to watch them run out onto Dodger Stadium, the field. Oh, God. So I guess I would be in the minority. Yeah. I want the Nats to win. Plus, their stadium, everybody at that stadium fucking rules. Yeah, you're you right. You know That's, why. Uh, you fucking yes. know why. <laughs> By the time this episode comes out, we'll be like, what was I talking about? What? Right. What right. happened? The Nats? Anyway, what were we talking about? How do we talk about baseball? Uh, we're talking about uh, episode zero. Well, actually, song of the week. Song of the week. There we go. Tell me about it. Yes. JG429. Yeah. Dang. Good pull, man. (laughs) Uh, So the very the top comment is from Ella Bella Modella saying controversial, perhaps, but it's my least favorite song on Damage. Oh, there they are. Et cetera, et cetera. Right. So um, I think it's a superb sum of its parts, the whole album. But so my criticism of Lean is still pretty weak. Um, But she just uh, this person, Ella Bella Modella. Just goes on to say, of all the songs on this album, this one has the weakest um, sort of strength. Say that five times fast. Right. <laughs> Ella Bella Medella. <laughs> and, uh, and then JG429 goes on to say, yeah, I agree. It doesn't really fit on Damage. Interesting. Uh, I'd have to listen to Damage in full to, uh, I don't know many songs that don't fit on an album. Yeah, and I think if I had to force one myself to to make a decision on which one seems like the outlier, yeah, I guess I could see Lean, but it's also the focus of our conversation right now. Right. We could go through another song, and I could go, wow, this is this is the absolute, <laughs> my, my least liked on this album, right? Yeah. Um, I could see it. It's just because it's not really grabbing my attention. It doesn't have everything that I that I want in, a, you know, the power and, and that the sick solo and uh, the exploration, the, the freeform jazz exploration that Jim loves to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing I know but, Jimmy World for. Right, I know, right? Um, absolute punk gave other, damage 9.5 out of 10 that's cool yeah it's actually there was one there was Craig one, Manning baby where was it that I saw 
it's got to be on the Wikipedia, but I'm not, I'm not finding it. But the, the review, you know, they'll, they'll have, um, uh, alternative press or whatever it is. The, uh, the different, AP um, gave sources. it four and a half star. Oh, uh, you Metacritic? Right. Yeah, uh, the top, there was only one that gave it a really kind of a controversial two, two and a half, one and a half out of five Rolling stars. Rolling Stone gave it two. Yeah, and then most of them gave it, a, you know, pretty much like above above half between four and four. Yeah, four I think Metacritic's like Rotten Tomatoes, like where it aggregates yeah. everything. They got 71 out of 100. Um, oh, yeah, I'd there it is. I got to go down Like a 75? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was Rolling Stone that gave it uh, the least amount of stars. Um, out of five, but yeah, yeah, overall, it looks like it's got a, a pretty, you know, as far as professional ratings go, right? It's uh, it's a pretty damn good album. Yeah. So the other and all the other comments aside from that top one from Ella Bella Modella, uh, <laughs> it's got really favorable reviews. My favorite song on Damage because it's a sweet jam. Yeah, it definitely has and its fans. They bring up the lyrics, right? So it goes back to the lyrics. I love the line. It, you know. Because of these lyrics, when I think I'm so messed up and you think you're so messed up, someone else goes on to say, I'm hoping for the perfect day when I look into the right face. So the lyrics really seem to resonate with these people. Maybe not the the actual sound of that song, but but more of what um, the band or Jim has written. Mm. And there there it is, Pebble Swift. Uh, Damage is probably my least favorite album. I feel uh, like I hear that a lot, yeah. If you're not counting but, like the original self-titled release and... Uh, Static Prevails, which I feel like is always at the bottom of people's lists. Yeah. Uh, and it says, yeah, I like Static more. Uh, however, the track oh. is a banger. A banger. So he thinks it's a banger, aside from the stake and appreciation. Uh, yeah, so it's probably one of his number three on that album. Mm. And that's Pebble Swift saying that. You say the And steak? if we haven't, uh, yeah. So if we haven't explained the stake, uh, I think this was a typo on Pebble Swift's part, and he explains this in our conversation that we have. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, it was, I will steal you back, but he wrote, I will stake you back. <laughs> and so it's just, it's now forever known as the stake. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that is, that is the backstory there with that. Um, nice. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, most of, most of the comments in this, there's not a ton of activity in this uh, in this um, post, but most of them are favorable for this song. Tight, yeah. Right. Now, let's um, let's take a, a second and talk about the actual cover art. I was going to say, yeah, you want to talk about the artwork? Yeah. This is divisive so started, as hell. Right. So I started looking into this. Um, have you? Are you familiar with Morning Breath Incorporated? Well, I looked them up on Discogs, and they did a lot of very famous artwork. Right, and they did a lot of work with uh, Foo Fighters, too. Oh, I didn't look, uh, I guess I didn't, like, organize it in a way that I saw, like, uh, it by artist. I just saw, like, oh, I know that album art. Oh, I know that album art. Oh, I know it. Well, they're pushing They're pushing their book right now. So if you go to... Oh. It's called By the Skin of Our Teeth. That's a little free marketing here, right? Um, the, art of, the Art and Design of Morning Breath. Uh, but on the side, it says By the Skin of Our Teeth, and it gives, this is probably on the inside flap, the synopsis of the book, or or uh, some kind of overview here, but they go on to say um, they've worked with, uh, collaborated with top musical artists from Jay-Z to Foo Fighters and brands like Vans and Adidas. I feel like they've done like, oh, they did Chase This Light, which I love. Um, I feel like they've done like every AFI and AFI project. Like, I'll bet you they did Dream Car. Dream Car aesthetic is huge damage aesthetic, which is funny because looking at all of their art, there's not a lot of art-like damage in their portfolio here. Right. Um, 
Right. But, I, and that's what I noticed is oh, that wait, um, they did didn't, invent didn't seem it, to even though the photography is from somebody else. So they must have done the the layout or something, maybe for invented, which has the picture that we talked about with uh, with the girl and the going yes. through the, the kitchen door or something like uh-huh. that. Um, wow. They even they've done a lot of Jimmy Eat World stuff. And it all looks very different. Like, I, I I can't nail down a style while looking at their work. They must be, like, one of those ubiquitous, like, um, design firms that, like, you just call them up when you need work done. Well, yeah, they're very versatile. Um, but their style, if you do go on to morningbreathinc.com and look at their stuff, it's very pop culture, um, pop art, mm. vintage, but that sort of gross vintage uh, hmm. almost, almost like a Mad Magazine style of design. Uh huh. And I think that's what draws people in. But they're just so versatile that they do they do murals, they do um, album art. I imagine they do art direction too. I'm assuming with right. with what they potentially have done on Invented. You know what they didn't do? Dream car. What's didn't do Dream car? <laughs> they did not. Which I thought they oh well, they did like black audio and AFI. So I was like oh they must have done Dream car too. I definitely see the 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 through line there. And it, at least it's not listed on Discogs. Um, now, which album? Now, I don't know if this is going to be a cross a crossover um, episode in the future. Did um, Sadie Hawkins Pod say looked very similar to oh, Damage? Snap! Oh well, yeah, right? it had the Almost whole thing. I did not see Reliant T. K on the thing. Which album came out first? So let me look up Reliant K Umbrella, and it'll come up. Danny and Jessica at uh at uh, uh Sadie Hawkins Pod um pointed it out and um the album art is pulling it up Reliant K Umbrella. So it's for the apathetic apathetic EP EP, right? Uh yes, that's it. And yes, it's very damaged. Uh now apathetic EP came out when? 05. November of 05. Oh shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so maybe there may have been a little creative inspiration, right? Uh, I would bet that, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, how much... I'm interested. How much input do you think the band has other than, like, giving the album to somebody and saying, uh, just show me... Like, what do you think the bid process is for that? Or like, I, I, You know what? And I'd love to get a uh, an album photographer on the pod just to talk oh, about that. that'd be cool. You because know, we... We were, um, you know, I think we discussed this with with futures, uh, and his name his name is um, escaping me. But uh, who did the, the photographer for oh, that? Right, uh huh, yeah, right. So he goes out to uh, Burning Man, takes the photo of the phone booth, telephone booth to God. Right, I, I don't, I can't imagine that that the band would say, you know, we got this crazy idea of that, uh, you know, that that solitary phone booth out there at Burning Man. Can you go right. out there and photograph it? I can't imagine that, right? They must just hire him on and say, look, this is the image that we want to portray. Go out and do it. Did we talk about it being from Burning Man on the Futures episode? Pretty sure. Man, that's news to me. I got to ask my buddy Gage. I got to show the album artwork to him, who I work with. Did I talk about this on the Futures episode? I think I wasn't very present on that episode. I think I autopiloted it. I'm going to be 100% honest. I think I was a little on autopilot for that episode. Because I was like, I fucking love that song. Like, of course, it's great, whatever. And I think I was just a little distracted. I think we had some recording difficulties that day. I think I remember that more than I remember the actual episode itself. Oh, um, that's a bummer. 
So anyway, it's definitely one of those things of repeating myself. I'm going to just randomly show the artwork of futures to my uh, coworker, Gage, who always goes to Burning Man and uh, ask him, do you know what this is? Like almost like T1000. Have you seen this well, phone know, booth? <laughs> Sorry, I keep do cutting you, you off. Do you know when uh, when was Futures? Did that was that two thousand four? Yeah, or five? Two thousand four. Right. Let me see. Uh, futures. Two thousand five. World. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking too. Um, okay, so it was two thousand four, right? So Burning Man. If you just if you were just to say Burning Man telephone booth, um, the Indiegogo.com. Uh, the telephone booth was operated by an individual, and then they stopped operating it, and now it's sort of crowd. Uh, crowdsourced and they pay for the people to come and operate it. But it is definitely talk to God phone booth for Burning Man. Um, so show it to your buddy. See what what they say yeah. about. Um, and what if, do we know? I'm sorry, we're, the, we're doing the futures episode all over again because I'm an idiot. <laughs> right. Who's the person <laughs> standing there? Uh, that I don't know. I don't know who that individual is that's standing there. Oh, okay. It's probably uh, one of the, the grips or something from the photographer. And he just said, hey, go stand there and look at. <laughs> well, thank God we have more future songs to do in the future and we can get yeah. to the bottom of this fucking thing. Anyway, right. right. So back to the the artwork here. It is the, so apathetic. EP came out before, yeah. right? This came out um, eight years before, and is that right or five years? Uh, it, yeah, it's eight. <laughs> <laughs> I can do math. Yeah, this is, uh, and it looks almost identical, right? It's got the cloud with the sun being covered by it, and raindrops falling into the ocean, and yep. the title "apathetic" in handwritten font. Very, very. Yeah, man. Just morose and and uh, depressing. A photograph, but, phonographic copyright. I'm trying to see who did the uh, artwork, design well, and layout. Is, the, Greg Leppert. Greg Leppert. Yeah. Hmm. Which I don't. Uh, I don't see anything. Um, now hold on. I'm gonna do a little investigative journalism while you're going talk. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the uh, the damage the damage cover looks a lot more. Um, well, less like the style of Morning Breath Inc., but it's it's much more modern. Correct. And it looks I, very I like the style 2005. Of it. It's insanely 2005. Like, I'll bet you Greg Leppard did the Hello Goodbye artwork for dinosaurs, monsters, whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. This it, one, if, uh, what I liked about this, the damage cover, is that this design, um, even, even the top part of the umbrella... Uh, could be easily created with some gradients in Photoshop. And yes. I thought that this would be a nice exercise in just three-dimension effect yeah. with a two-dimensional uh, design. Really cool. Very simple. Um, it looks like, I don't know what the blue represents down at the bottom, if that's like the fog uh, and the sunshine is raining down into that fog. It's just kind of like it's trying to pierce through, but it can't. Yep. Um, I like the concept of it. It's not. Uh, it seems like the shine is inside the umbrella. So even though somebody is, I don't yeah. know, maybe trying to block the water from getting on them, there's still some kind of brightness uh, underneath. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like a lot of people don't like it, and there's something about it I really like. And then, I mean, we can get into the uh, the damage single artwork on that episode, but it's obviously very much of the same cut from the same cloth. It's that same blue gradient with the cloud coming through the, the like flipped page. Kind of very David Lynch. Yeah, maybe it's because it's so simple that people got uh, kind of turned off. Fans got turned off by it. Oh, yeah, I see that. It's peeking through, huh? Yeah. Uh, they got turned off by it just because it seemed so simple. Different from other stuff like the um, like the peacock feathers, right? Yeah. 
very different, but it's it's a physical thing that someone has composed and photographed. This almost looks like it could be. I know there's a lot of forethought that goes into design, uh, but then again, I could be wrong. It looks like something that uh, a beginning art student could do as a as one of their projects, right? Yes. Also, my nephew could have easily done this. I mean, that's not a slight. That that is a slide to my nephew, which it shouldn't have been. He's much more talented. He could create something that looks way cooler than that. But you know, like the colo- the 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 um, the royal nephew. You know what I mean? Like the right. The oh, anybody yes. anybody's nephew could have done that. Right. Right. Uh, so I yeah I can see I can see where that um, that approach. Uh, I guess the, the that critical um, approach to it comes from is the fact that it's much simpler than their other albums. Um, it's not a photograph, uh, which is is more more uh, Jimmy World style. Is that somebody composes a photograph or a scene or something? And even the is it uh, Static Prevails the one the sideways rooftop is that it Static Prevails or, the sideways rooftop. I never known what the Static Prevails cover was. Let me look at it real quick. But off the top of my head, I feel like. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that's it. So if it's, it's a snowy, yeah, it's, it, I always thought it was like, those are the exhausts, but sideways. Right. Right. But it's, it's actually the, uh, the top of, um, a building. And those are the, I imagine they're the, probably what allows the heat or air to escape out of, um, the apartments or whatever it is below. And it's just turned sideways. Right. But again, it's, it's, it could have been just a photo that one of them, one of the band members snapped up on the roof when they were hanging out. Right. It is really cool. But I mean, it's also insanely nineties, like that whole color palette. (laughs) Like, Oh yeah, very much. Like you could have told me this is like a Pearl Jam album art. And I'd be like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. (laughs) But then again, you look at something like surviving, which is a very it's a very different um approach for them as a band, right? Yeah. I love the colors. I yeah. love black and orange. Orange Which is they my... said, yeah, they say orange is uh it represents nothing, I think Zach said. Perfect. I just like the like, colors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. I think it's very complimentary. Yeah. Okay. So Morning uh Morning Breath Inc takes uh they took uh, um inspiration. The credit for yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just a little bit of uh, artistic inspiration is what I tell uh, I tell my students when they're designing things. It's just go on, look at, look at stuff to inspire you. Don't yeah. copy them. Right? Well, Morning Breath, it's like you don't know which designer at Morning Breath. That's a that's probably a huge fucking firm. There's probably like right. a, a thousand different designers working for them. Um, right. Or it could just be the two guys still. It's really just two guys? I don't buy Well, it started it. out as two guys. And if you watch the video of them doing the mural, they do a mural um, of what looks like a Ouija board in a, a vintage style. There's about hmm. f- four of them that kind of rotate through and paint. So you're, you're probably right. There's, there's got to be interns and, and uh, aspiring artists that are just doing the grunt work there. Yeah, I would imagine that they probably have artwork that passes through and then they approve. They put their stamp of approval there. Their morning breath. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the brand. Yep. Uh, now, so, um, yeah. did you figure out what you were looking for there? Oh, no. Nothing came up. I tried okay. to see if anybody else had ever made the connection specifically between Greg Proops or whatever, whoever the fuck that guy's name was. and um, Greg Proops, huh? The yeah. comedian. <laughs> and, uh, and Jimmy Eat World. But nobody had at least put those direct terms together. And what I think I was hoping for was like finding his Twitter where he was complaining about the damage artwork or something. 
Uh, <laughs> which I did not find. So, no, I didn't find anything interesting. What I did find interesting was that they've only played the song six times. Now, at the time of this recording, the other song they've only played six times has is 555, which by the time this episode comes out, I doubt that's going to be the case. And I'm sure that's going to shoot way up there into one of those like oh, yeah. standards. Um, I'm yeah, I'm so jazzed with that whole setup. The not only the the video, the sound of that uh, song. I told you what it sounds like. They could they could swap out Enrique Iglesias. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and it could be it could be played 15, 20 years ago on a <laughs> on coast modern three point five. Yeah, 5, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but also the uh, they're they're kind of taking. Um, and then there's no, I guess there's no uh, page out of anyone's book, right? But I know Weezer sort of hits the iron when it's hot. But they're jumping on, not necessarily the meme train, but they are riding that 555 image with yeah. the merchandise, um, with the gifts that they're posting, mm-hmm. or gifs, right? The, and, <laughs> it's and all of that. I just love the whole thing. I, I, that, that whole entire uh, branch that they've explored is just, I love it. Yeah, so sick. Um, so yeah, only six times they've played it. So I, I guess they're just not stoked on it or they feel like another song in the set sort of takes its place or like, um, I don't know if other bands do this. Um, but like, uh, Mark Hoppus hates playing certain songs cause he just feels like the crowd, he can look out and see them and they're not into it. So they rotate those songs out of the set list because of it. Like, um, Enema of the State has that song, the party song. And, oh, yeah. uh, I remember that was a standout track for me when I was a kid and I got stoked whenever I would hear them. Like there was a medley they did in like 2004, where they would weave it in like to uh, 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 like five other songs, and it was like a four minute medley where they played a little bit of uh, all these songs that they had since quote unquote rotated out of the set list, and uh, and they uh, they had put a little bit of the party song in there. Um, and I was so stoked. And then now he's like, I don't ever want to play that song again. Now they did just do an enema of the state tour where they played it, you know, 52 times straight or whatever the hell, however many stops were on that, on that tour. Um, but he had played it a couple times in Vegas. They'd played it and he was like, ah, just no one, everyone doesn't understand. They don't know what song it is and all that stuff. And that's the problem when you're a huge ubiquitous band where it's like you have diehards like me that want to see, you know, a set of only deep cuts and shit like that. But then it's almost literally every show is someone's first blink show and they would rather see what's my age again for the first time live or all the small things for the first time live. Whereas I could go, uh, I like both those songs. I could go without hearing like a rock show or first date or miss you or any of those. I could go without hearing those again, (laughs) but, um, Again, I don't know if other bands do it. Maybe Jimmy World did it where they were just like, I don't know, people seems like people aren't feeling it, so I'm just going to um um uh, basically pull Yeah, off. I can't see I can't see how any band, especially that's a it's a great um, you know, observation is looking out at the crowd and just seeing that anytime the crowd is just not into it. Yeah. I, I just it just as an artist, it just seems like it's like when I'm speaking to people, it's like when they're not interested in what I'm saying, why am I continuing what I'm saying? I need to right. just either stop talking or change what I'm saying so it's interesting. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're just doing it for the paycheck, and that's no fun anyway. You don't last very long. No. I mean, um, we're only like, what, 5% of the way through this endeavor, so... Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, maybe we'll come across, like Jimmy World has said, like, oh, we look out on the crowd and see if the crowds into it or not or somebody could call for it for jimmy j pod you know whatever let us <laughs> yes, know whatever <laughs> man well, you know whatever Just call what, the number anyway anyway it goes <laughs> um so i i have um 
I have one other uh, thing from the community that I, I noticed. Oh, I, I didn't notice yeah, this I'm at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It was just Ella Bella Medella actually oh, had I love posted. Ella Bella Medella's uh, right. input. Yeah, I need to uh, friend this person, even though they have <laughs> no idea that I friended them, right? Uh, that posted a month before this. So she had she had done the, the top reply on uh, JG429. Um, please tell me, like, yes, I got it right. JG429's post, right? But she had, um, or Ella Bella Modella had uh, posed the question, okay, top songs from each album. And they, uh, they are asking for three. Now, of the eight times that Damage shows up, four times um, leans on there. Wow. And it's either in the first or second spot. So I know that uh, you know it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty well received in there. Yeah, yeah, it's nasty. I mean, JG four two nine is there actually. Uh, it's his it's his uh, his or her top track on Damage. So they go lean Damage and appreciation. Sure, but yeah, it shows up. Uh, it shows up uh, half the fifty percent of the time, right? That's right. Fifty percent of the time, it works every, every time. time. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So now you know. Uh, let's, let's let's let me ask you this. So when we were talking about the futures episode, yes, um, were you perhaps out of it? Like maybe you had I don't know taken some medicine. Uh, it's possible. I mean, you know, something's always going around. I've got a kid. He's in school, always getting sick. It's very possible. Yes. Right. So my family was, um, we've, we've kind of had this last weekend. It was, it was brutal with the flu, like the flu season starting back up. Right. Uh, and I'm trying to think of just how out of it. Uh, Thankfully I was not nearly as affected as the other members of my family. Isn't that the way it always works? Yeah. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what it was, but, uh, I noticed that the one thing that seemed to work was a mixture of Jolly Ranchers, Sprite, and I think it was Codeine. Or oh, scissor? Snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So that was the other thing that I found came up in this search. And they refer to that as uh, do you know what that's called? Uh, in the <laughs> I want you to tell me circles. I want you to tell me. It's called David, it's called lean. Play that drop. <laughs> <laughs> that was gonna be such a hard oh, sort man, of uh, I love it. I couldn't think of how to work that one around. That's good. <laughs> that was the only yours was way better. Oh, the, the, I wouldn't say it's way better. Mine came, I, I tried writing it while we were doing it. I was like, oh, I think I might be able to make this work. <laughs> I was walking to, like this whole evening. I was thinking to myself, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to totally make oh, it man. sound like, like, and then, wait, then, were you, you really you know, drinking lean? That's sick. Oh man. No, I don't even know what codeine looks like. I oh, guess it's, really? it's like purple, right? Dark purple. Yeah. But, I think um, I was prescribed codeine when I, I, uh, uh, okay. So, uh, for any younger listeners out there, um, uh, when I was in high school, um, I wouldn't like, I would clip my toenails and I would go too short. And what happens when you go too short is you get ingrown toenails, which this is fucking nasty, man. Why are we talking about toenails on the podcast? Anyway, <laughs> this is why I know about coding. So that's why, okay, this is fucking educational. And I'm telling the the kids, okay, don't cut your toenails too short and you know what if you could fit it into your budget and if you're young let me tell you the importance of budget okay um take uh, look at the amount of money you make and then prioritize your life if you want to never get an ingrown toenail which i can from experience tell you do not do you should definitely work into your budget a pedicure at least a pedicure i've never had an ingrown 
fingernail. Although I think our uh, mutual friend Brandon Bonfiglio, I think he got like a staph infection or something from having They are anger. very serious. I it's have, bad, uh, yeah. I've got, since we're on the subject, I've got a, uh, a mutual close friend who has a chronic um, ingrown toenails and they have to go to the doctor to get that stuff um, taken care of because that's not something you can do yourself. Uh, no. you're, you're on your feet all day. Yep. Assuming even if you're sitting somewhere, you're still sort of resting on your feet. Like David says, there's nothing wrong with getting a pedicure. No. Uh, yeah, I, and it, and you, I wish you know, I spend some time yeah. with your significant other. Even yep. you know, I'll do uh, do a crossword while you're while you're sitting there. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't but, get pedicures. I should, but definitely uh, in high school I should have because I wouldn't be in the I wouldn't have the issues I have today, which was why I was prescribed codeine in the first place because uh, they yeah. basically I mean, removed I, my toenail. And right. it was a pain management. It was I was prescribed codeine. Okay. Yeah. And was it purple? Uh, I, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's I mean it's called uh, also known as the uh, the purple Kool Aid, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Purple stuff. Um, oh yeah. Well, I guess the stuff, the codeine oh. is actually referred to as the scissorp. Um, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. actually the it, it's used to create the lean. Right, 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 right. And why, why, why do they call it lean? Because you're all fucked up. You got to lean against yeah. something. Oh, yep. sick. Yep, that's tight. That's um, tight. another, I guess, a synonym for this would be thawed. Like, man, I was thawed. Oh shit. I get, you know, I guess uh, knocked, knocked, uh, knocked away, knocked up, yeah. knocked over, thawed. Um, this is now a, a prescription pod, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't know you like to get butt naked. Yeah. Sherm, <laughs> PCP, man. <laughs> Smoky. <laughs> Uh, That's so what you, you know, did. And it, one thing we don't have here tonight, and unfortunately, we just couldn't get our hands on any. We 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 scoured the internet too. I mean, I spent a good ten minutes looking for it. Right? <laughs> Look, <okay>. I, could, <laughs> I couldn't find any covers. <laughs> I just could not find any uh, any covers for this track. But there are in the six live performances. I found at least two live videos. Did you find those? I did, and I you know, I, and what do you think? In a pinch, do we go with the? Uh, the we got live? at least. You hear what they okay. sound like they were probably only played the ones that i saw were only played like a month apart so they're gonna probably sound identical all right i just sent you this one is jimmy world lean live at wickenburg az new song from damage album this was uploaded uploaded six years ago from sea bruins uh all right, on let's youtube see. three and a three and a half thousand views all right here we go <laughs> Can can you hear the crowd? Are they are they into it? Uh, I mean, no, not from that recording. Um, I mean, it doesn't look like they're that into it. This seems like one of those songs where when Jim's playing this, uh, let's say I'm I, I need to go grab a beer that or or I'm <laughs> dying to go use the restroom. I think this would be a safe song to where I look. I've got three I can minutes hear it to from go the bar. Jam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm definitely it, not that person, but I can understand the aesthetic. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. And I don't, and I try not to do that for the, for the headliner either. Right. Yeah. I've, by that point I've moved my, my way up to, in, in GA all the way to, as close as I can to the front. <laughs> uh, I'm not losing that spot. Yeah. But that's, this is the, this is what it seems like judging from this. It just seems like they're there, they're playing it. It doesn't seem like the crowd's that interested in it, but yeah, you know, I guess it is. And they, they decided it's one of the six times, right. They play it. Yeah. I mean, that was the second time they played it. And that was on May 10th of 2013. And the album came out June 11th. So it was pre-released. No one knew it yet. And look what Scott Smith says. Did you look at that down no. there in the comments for no, that YouTube? No, I didn't. This sounds a lot like Carry You from Just This Life. <laughs> so nail on the head, David. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they only played it one, two, three. Four. Oh, I got, okay, never mind. <laughs> of the six times, four of them were after the album came out. Okay. But uh, Knitting Factory, Boise, Idaho was the last time they played it on record, at least according to setlist.fm, on July 17th, 2013. And I didn't find any videos to the contrary <laughs> on uh, on YouTube. Yeah, me neither. I couldn't find anything on SoundCloud uh, or YouTube, which is a bummer. Yeah, man. I'm going to do my due diligence here and just check and see if I come across anything you didn't, and I'm not seeing it. Nope. All right, then. Um well, uh, in that case, do you have any final thoughts on this on this song? Um, no. What are we on? We're we're like an hour twenty. Yeah. Before edits. Uh, yeah. No. Do we have an interview on this episode? Uh, lean. No, we do not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if I'm looking at this, who did we want? Let's see who we wanted on this. Um. Well, we mentioned Brian from La Bouquet. Sure, I can yeah. put the wheels in That's motion. It. Maybe. You know what? See, yeah. See if 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 Brian will come on. Um, either that, or I can get my uh, my uh, my friend that I know the uh, the foe the, the <laughs> my friend that I know at the toe <laughs> issue. <laughs> oh wait, I, what did I say? Oh yeah, so yeah, my toes are still fucked up, and it's a whole thing. And uh, um, and it's funny because my dad had it too when I was a kid. And I was like, "Why does your toenail look so messed up?" And he was like, "Oh, I have a podiatrist messed up my foot." And I even think my dad sued him. Maybe we'll have my dad on this episode if. He- you can't. Yeah. And I'll be like, tell well, me about your do a voiceover story. for us. Huh? Just get him involved. Get him involved. Get oh, him yeah, because he's voiceover. got that voiceover that he may or may not have done for the previous episode. <laughs> ah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, man. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, d- definitely. Uh, that's my takeaway from this is um, don't get ingrown toenails or else you'll be prescribed codeine for pain meds. Um because they and will then, remove your toenail. I should have had a staph infection. It was so bad, Justin. It was yeah. fucked up. <laughs> like, well, and at least I you didn't also, lose your toe. Let's just look at that, right? Yes, this is true. And we're talking, and this is, I mean, I, I imagine this is always going to be the oh case my God. for a I'm big so glad toe. this is buried at the back of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. Only, only the uh, the diehards are going to get this yeah, far into this the episode, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Justin, it was so bad. I think part of it too was that I was growing so fast as a kid. I was probably wearing shoes that were too small, which probably yeah. didn't help. And then I'm riding BMX, so I'm always sticking my foot in the fucking fork, um, <laughs> you know, to do like flatland tricks, like I'm fucking um Dennis McCoy or. <laughs> Remember when the I X had games, no idea. Do you remember when the X Games had flatland biking in uh, yeah, as absolutely. a competition? Dennis McCoy was the fucking man. Um, that was good. That was good. Uh, who was the guy that the the Tony Hawk equivalent who ended up getting? I think it was a deal with Activision to do. That was Matt Hoffman. So he had Matt, Matt Hoffman's Hoffman. Pro BMX, which I own for Dreamcast. 
Um, oh, okay. Although my nephew, my aforementioned men- nephew, who's much more talented than the the uh, the royal nephew, who <laughs> anyone's nephew um, could do, um, he I think has my Dreamcast now. I I couldn't hold on to that stuff. Well, anymore. at least you're keeping it. Uh, oh yeah, you know, I gotta keep family, it in the family. Right? Yeah, 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 for sure. It's important content. Uh-huh. So, so when I ask you what you think about the song and you go on to talking about your toe, I, that just tells me uh, that yeah. it doesn't really resonate with you. But I'm going to try a little bit harder to tr- and make this song work because you brought that I'm not asking for a fix comment to light. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it, there's got to be something deeper. Right. And let's just take the whole female uh, male thing out of this. I think you've got a pretty deep song there. Maybe not the best musically instrumentally it's lacking it's fine it's and that's the thing is it's it's yeah fine (laughs) yeah it it would be vanilla if i had to liken it to a flavor sure yeah yeah, or pralines i think you you hit the nail (laughs) i think you hit the nail on the head it's the perfect like you you want a drink i'm gonna go uh grab a beer (laughs) (laughs) i can hear oh you know what i should do i'm gonna go get that hoodie i saw at merch because i'll bet that there's no line right now (laughs) it's gonna be stacked you know this is they're gonna end up (laughs) yeah oh did you like the opening band i could probably go get them to sign a record they're probably at the merch table right now (laughs) oh man yeah so Uh, not not anything uh stand out for me it's it's a it's it's a you know it's i'd say it's it's labeled as a a vanilla jimmy track and um I'm looking forward to the other tracks on this album because this is one of those that uh, I do enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's it has its place in my heart, you know, as far as Jimmy. I, yeah, stuff. it was like one of those things because I don't know, like for some reason, Jimmy World has always been like a very private band for me. Like just in that, like I didn't go searching the Jimmy World subreddit or like I didn't care what anybody else thought about Jimmy World. To me, they were great, and it didn't fucking matter. And now I have yeah. a fucking podcast about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all. Uh, the, what I'm what I'm getting at is that I never had a thought about damage being great or not. It just was. It was a new Jimmy World album. There it is. Um, yeah. But then you know, I hear people say that, and you probably hear people say that about Weezer, and you're just like. No, you don't understand. This is 10 new songs and they're all fucking great. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's the unconditional love speaking. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So if you've got, um, if you've got toe problems, you get prescribed codeine. Look, um, Halloween's coming up. Get yourself some Jolly Ranchers. Halloween's uh, so far gone, dude. <laughs> get, <laughs> get, uh, get some Sprite, make yourself some lean and enjoy some Jimmy World, man. But more importantly, be excellent to each other and party on dudes ladies and gentlemen all the way from earlier in this podcast we actually tracked down brian samus of la bouquet brian how are you sir yo how's it going um i'm good i'm doing i'm doing pretty good how about you I'm well. I really wanted to thank you, if I haven't already enough, uh, for doing this. Uh, I reached out to you a while ago. You were doing an AMA on, like, Snapchat for La Bouquet, like, right after the record came out in April. And I was like, hey, do you want to come on my Jimmy World podcast? And you were like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure, whatever. And uh, here I am holding you to it after uh, you came up on this episode. And uh, Yeah, I remember that. That was on, um, I did, like, an Instagram live thing. Yeah. You were all over the place. That was uh, that was a trip, man. So um, uh, I guess we'll talk a little bit about. Let's talk about 
Jimmy Eat World. Let's talk about your uh, relationship with Jimmy Eat World. Then we could talk about all things Brian. Um, uh, big fan, big Jimmy Eat World fan. Actually texted my buddy that I was in the, my first ever band with. I told him that I was doing this with you because they were prob- they were like a huge inspiration for like my very first band. Like I'm talking, I was like 14 years old. Um, <laughs> I, I remember. I think I think that. Bleed American was the first record that I ever personally bought. Like, I think I went to Amoeba with my parents and I bought that record. Like, my nice. parents, like, you can, you can pick something. Cause I mean, I would have, I would have only been like 11, maybe 12. Uh-huh. Um, but love Bleed American, love Futures, 23 holds a special place, um, in my heart. Um, I, I love Chase This Light, obviously loved, um, Clarity, uh, it's what it's called, yeah. And then I kind of fell off, to be honest with you. So when you hit me up earlier today, and you told me about Lean from Damage, like I had to go, I had to go look it up and listen to it because I sure, yeah, know that song, you know. <laughs> As I think is, you know, I think that's commonplace with any band that's been around for what fucking twenty years. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I think ninety three, ninety four uh, is, and that that's sort of what we're exploring with this podcast is. Uh, my co-host and I, this is our second favorite band, and we're like such avid fans of our first favorite, his being Weezer, my being Blink-182, and we know all these ridiculous facts about them. And then here we are with Jimmy World, like who's unarguably should be our favorite band because they're just so great and not like eye-roll inducing, um, and we know nothing about them. So it, we're sort of going on a trip and learning about them. But I think 93, 94, yeah. So almost 25 years for sure. It's funny, too, because at emo night the other night, which I was going to go to, but I was out of town. I was in Denver. Uh, Jimmy showed up and played an acoustic set. I know. I saw that, and I saw that they had they had, they were very cryptic about like, oh, we we got somebody we've been trying to get since the beginning, and it took all kinds of like faxes and things. <laughs> yeah, I um, guess I guess some people were upset because they thought it was gonna be My Chemical Romance because they just announced they returned. Oh, nah, that's not their bad. Yeah, I was like, how can you be mad at Jimmy coming and playing your acoustic <laughs> set? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was bummed that I missed it because, yeah, they're probably one of my, like, those, those early albums are, like, huge in shaping, like, my, I guess, musical brain, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, I mean, mainly I would say, like, like lyrics and storytelling um, more so. But also, yeah, I mean, like, my first couple bands were with, like, the same group of guys with, like, different names and, like, like maybe a different bass player or something. But my first couple bands were all, like, really heavily, like, Jimmy E. World-inspired, so... That's amazing to hear, only because I was thinking of... So we recently ran a poll on Twitter, which by the time this episode comes out will be long gone. But uh, I don't know if you saw there was a meme where uh, some random Twitter guy was just like, oh, it's less than 60 degrees outside. And then he tweeted a picture of the Transatlanticism album cover, which is the like the quintessential cold weather, like winter album. And uh, I got to wondering, I was like, well, what's Jimmy Eat Worlds? And I put uh, Clarity up against Integrity Blues, which is the album they came out with three years ago. Um, and they did it with JMJ. And uh, it's very, like, I think, dark, cold weather vibes thing. And then a lot of people are like, oh, I think Futures should be in that, too. But it definitely made me think of the first time I heard Kiss Me, Kill Me, 
which was I was in like a zone where I was like, oh, I'm going to put on the like for you new music, Apple music playlist. And it was one of the first songs that I'd ever done on that playlist where I was like halfway through zoning at work. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And I went back, fell in love with your music. And I think I even tweeted at you. I was like, this is like, no, I didn't tweet at you. You painted the picture. And I was like, yes, that it's late night drive music. I think you had done a couple interviews that you were like, you went out to craft this late night drive music. And I, I Spotify really came through <laughs> with a playlist for once, huh? Yeah, dude. <laughs> dude and we like even the first went, song that ever happened. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I like immediately, I think Nicole Alvarez or somebody was like, Oh, K rock locals only show in Fullerton in December or something like that. And we were like, we're going to that show. <laughs> And uh, yeah, man, it was at slide bar. And I think like 14 people showed up, one of which was like a good friend of yours at the bar. <laughs> and uh, yeah, 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 dude, that and uh, she was like, oh, yeah, he's he was in that band, The Neighborhood. And I was like, wait, what? That was like complete news to me. I was just like uh, in love with La Bouquet and everything La Bouquet. I, I had no attachment to anything else. Um, and I was like way too nervous to say anything to you that night. <laughs> Oh, damn, you should have. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, that at that point, we were just, we. I had just kind of pivoted away from my solo project, which is called All of a Kid. And I was, we were just doing the band thing. But yeah, that, that, was, that was like really early days. That was an early show. That was when we had a different guy playing like keys. And I think he played trumpet. That was early days for sure. But yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's, that's, I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that about the songs. I mean, I definitely get that. From Jimmy, I mean, I think my if I had to make a playlist of like my all time favorite late night drive songs, which would like you know could be correlated back to you know if that's how I view my own music, then it would definitely be inspiration. I think twenty three would be on like the top of that list. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. Late night drive songs, but also songs that I'm gonna probably cry to at some point. Right, depending on what's going on in my life, but that song, that song's got a special place in my heart because it's a good song, but also because of my like memory attached to like listening to it for the first time and like where I was in life. And Absolutely. You know what's funny too is what's this, uh, what there's a song on Bleed American that Crimson and Clover over and over. What song is that? Yeah. In? Yeah. 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 Um, a praise chorus. Yeah. 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 So I have a, I have a really vivid memory of being in Pennsylvania for a family reunion and uh, I had a CD player, like a Walkman or something, and I was in the back of somebody's car driving somewhere, and I had that song on loop, like kind of what I would do nowadays if I was like really into something, just listen to it over and over and over again until I hated it. Yeah, drive it into the ground. <laughs> yeah, but this is me when I'm, I don't know, 12, 11, 12, maybe 13, and I kept listening to it over and over again on Walkman with like really crappy like over the ear headphones where like the thing goes behind <laughs> your head. You know what I mean? Yep. But I remember vividly my mom, like my mom joking around with me, but me getting really self-conscious where she tapped me on the shoulder. And I took my head headphones off and she goes, are you going to listen to anything else? <laughs> I was playing it so loud through my headphones <laughs> that she could hear it in the car. And she just heard me play the same song for like six songs in a row. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I got super embarrassed because I was young and I was like, dang it, I didn't know anybody could hear me. Right. I played it six times in a row if I knew people were like judging me for like listening to the same song. Oh, but, man. um, 
But yeah, I'm glad that, I mean, this happened. This was cool. This gave me an excuse also to go and check out. I never listened to any song off of Damage, I don't think. So not only did oh, I listen sick. to me, so, but I went and listened to the whole album. Nice. So what did you think of Damage as a whole? Because we talk about it on the on the, on the the episode. I forget the name of the producer, but he's like of the Queens of the Stone Age ilk, where it's more raw and uh, and a little more rockin'. And I think a lot of people hold this in like some of their lower tier Jimmy records. But what did you think kind of coming into it cold? I, I liked it a lot. It felt more like I, this is like a bad reference point because it doesn't sound like this. But it, the whole record felt more like Neil Young to me. Interesting. Yeah, there were less like bombastic moments. And it was more just kind of like driving, telling a story, like singing in his like lower register a lot. Like, I mean, that's how I felt about like, I don't know. Just like maybe that goes to like the more rocking production, but it all just felt a bit more like, yeah, I mean, it's not definitely not my favorite, but I did enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it was like very like sing, sing songer, a little more singer songwriter than normal. I mean, even though that they do that a lot, even going back all, all the way to clarity. Um, but you know, I just felt this was a little more. Like that, but definitely like, you know, like rock. Yeah, rockin'. That makes sense that you said it was a guy who does like Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, it was like Queens of the Stone Age and, and Eagles of Death Metal, th- those types of bands. Yeah, I liked, I, I liked that in terms of like guitar tone, like even on Lean, like that guitar that starts out the song. I like that. Yeah. Like, I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like. I, I hear that and I immediately am like picturing like, you know, like an AC 30 being actually mic'd and him playing, you know, in the room. Whereas like, I'm sure what year did that come out in 2013? Uh, they could have went direct in, you know what I mean? He could have went direct into like, sure, yeah. or like just straight in and then they could have messed it afterwards. But like the tone is very, the tone's very like raw and real, which I, I do like. So. Yeah, so yeah, lean as a whole, you're sort of into. We we sort of painted it as like a a great a great track, largely forgettable. But when you listen to it, you're like, yeah, I know all these words. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I feel like it's it's one of those ones where I texted my buddy and I was like, have you ever heard this song? And my buddy, it was in those like bands that I was in growing up. Yeah, and he was like, and his response was great. He was like, he was like, no, but I'm glad I am right now. And I was like. Cool. That's kind of how I felt. I was listening to it and I was like, I've never heard this song before. Before, I'd never heard the whole album before, but I was like, I've never heard this song before. Probably would have never listened to like Truck 3 off of Damage, you know what I mean? Had I not right, yeah. been asked to. <laughs> yeah, and like it's, you know, Jimmy World's one of those bands though, like they do, like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. This is This is a good thing, but they do their thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like they've never really like like tried to pivot and go completely in a different direction. I feel like all their albums are largely they're like we know what we do and we're gonna do it again. Just we're just gonna write a different song, but that song is gonna consist of an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, bass guitar, drums, some production, but no crazy production. We're not gonna ever get too heavy. We'll get pretty soft. Most of the songs will be be around four minutes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, you get the occasional 23 that's, like, really long, or you get the occasional song that's, like, three minutes or maybe even less. But for the most part, like, you know what you're getting going into a Jimmy Eat World record. That's why, like, even a song, even a Jimmy Eat World song that I'm not, like, crazy about that I know, like, 
Let me look. I'm sure there's something on futures. Like if I just even look at the song names, like there'll be songs I don't recognize. Uh, right. Nothing wrong on futures. That name isn't ringing any bells to me right now, but I'm sure if I listen to it, I like it because they're one of those bands that's like, I know what I'm getting and they're not really going to put out like garbage. Their worst exactly. stuff is probably going to be like, yeah, it's a pretty good song. Like it's not <laughs> my favorite, but it's not bad. It's just kind of like, you know, they have a lot of stuff in the same vein that, you know, a song like Lean, I would have, I would have never found. And, you know, it's not my favorite, but it's definitely a good song. And I was enjoying, you know, I listened to the whole album, but then I had that song on loop for a bit while I was like cooking and cleaning and stuff. And I was, I was enjoying myself and I was enjoying like the tones and, you know, but yeah, the whole album well, as a whole is like, yeah, a little more singer songwriter. Also, the album art reminds me of Hiding Inside Horrible Weather by My American Heart. Love you. Oh, interesting. Somebody had brought up Reliant K had an EP that, that had that same sort of imagery, but I'm interested in this record. Yeah, so My American Heart, Hiding Inside the Horrible Weather, 2007. So maybe Reliant K beat that. Let's see. I think they were 2005. Okay, so Reliant K takes the cake. Because I know that there was like, like Bring Me the Horizon did something even more recently, but it looks like Reliant K's is... But yeah, I totally get this like, yeah, Aesthetic. it was like the same like art style too. Like you could have taken like I mean it's different, but if you took just one of those umbrellas, they almost look like like very like similar art, you know? Totally. Um, and this is what I was going to ask you because y- you're somebody who can speak to this. When it comes to album art, is there like a set? Um, I imagine with La Bouquet, which has such an aesthetic around it, that you're very hands-on but with a band like jimmy eat world are they sending the album art to the 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 design house or the design firm they're listening to it and coming up with a bunch of pitches or is there a is there not like an a set way to go about it he doesn't i mean once again i i don't mean this in a bad way because i love i love that they do what they do but he doesn't seem like the type of guy to care and i think jim kind of yeah, I don't think it gives him the type of guy to like care about what the album art is. Yeah, like I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm even just looking at their album art and like none of it's that great. Like I think Bleed American is the coolest, and it's just right. like you know trophies on a shelf, which is cool. But Futures is cool too. But then like Chase This Light, you kind of lose me. Like those peacock feathers. Peacock feather, yeah. It's peacock feathers, but it's also like that's supposed to like vaguely remind me of a, of a vagina, like. <laughs> Is that what they're getting at? You know what I mean? And then there's like, yeah, invented. I think that's pretty bad. And then invented. Yeah, that was based on some photographers uh, work. And a lot of the songs were written about the images in these photographers books, which I found weird on that record in particular. But yeah, I mean, it's just a gr- it's a girl going into like a room with a washer dryer. <laughs> we were trying to decipher if it was like is she like a waitress and then she's going into like the back kitchen area maybe? Yeah. Either way, it's kind of whatever damage is kind of whatever. <laughs> Integrity blues. I also think it's kind of whatever surviving kind of whatever, but they're, they're one of those fans. That's not like they're, you know, like I saw them a couple years ago when they did, I think it was taste of chaos when they stopped doing the <laughs> tour, but they, but they just did that one show. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing. Uh, I mean, taste of chaos. Oh, was Taking Back Sunday and Dashboard at that show? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something where it was like, yeah, some sort of like Red Bull something maybe or other. But yeah, it was a tour. And then all of a sudden it was like one stop in like, I don't know, wherever it was. I didn't go to that that particular show, but yeah. There was definitely Dashboard was there. Glassjaw was there. Jimmy World was there. The Used was there. It was um not maybe not Taste of Chaos, but it was it was not Red Bull, but it was another energy drink. It was like Rockstar Presents something. <laughs> yeah, yeah probably. Monster Presents something. And it was a tour that I went to as a kid, and now they're just doing one date. And I went and saw Jimmy Eat World headline, and like this just going back to the album art, they crushed it. They had absolutely zero stage production, and they didn't oh. really have a guy. Then they didn't really have a guy doing lights. And that's fine. That's kind of their thing. You know, they're like, yeah, I'm not expecting like if I went to a Jimmy World show and they each had like an LED wall behind each guy that like changed colors <laughs> on beat. I would go like, this seems like too much. For yeah. them. This seems Imagine like, yeah, uh, Jimmy World with the 1975 production behind him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, I just don't, A, I don't imagine it from them ever. And B, especially now, because what they're, they've got to be in like their forties, right? Or maybe even fifties. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Jim is 43 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not expecting it from them, but that just goes in with the album art. It's like, that's not, that's not their bread and butter. They're very much so like, yeah, we're like musicians, musicians. Like, sure, yeah. We have a label. We have a label that'll take care of the artwork. We have a label that'll take care of. Yeah. But- I mean, the, the, and you're the, the promo you're, photos and, you know, exactly. Yeah. You're familiar with it, too, like where they'll come out with a thesis. So the thesis for damage was like, oh, this is the breakup album. Right. So and that was their like log line in every interview they did for press for this record and stuff like that. So they probably like sent the record off to it's this company Morning Breath that does like every album. It's probably just some huge design firm. Um, probably sent the album off with the log line and was like, I don't know, come up with something. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And then I'm sure as long as it wasn't super offensive or super bad, they were probably like, yeah, that's cool. And I mean, it is, <laughs> it's a cool concept. It's, if you're not like, if you're not like a super artsy fartsy person, like about art like that, and you saw that, you could be like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I'm sure if I showed like, you know what I mean? Like my, my older brother who's not, doesn't do anything with art at all. He'd be like, oh, I really like that because like the light is inside the umbrella and outside the umbrella is darkness. So it's like, you know that kind of like flipping that on its head where it normally would be the other way around, you know, like if you, yeah, whatever. He'd be like, Oh, that's awesome. So, you know what I mean? For guys who are maybe just like, yeah, we love music. We just want to make music above and beyond that. Like, you know, they're not, I'm sure Jim's not, you know, scrolling through Instagram, trying to find cool (laughs) vintage pieces of clothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, he's not. He's not buying a film camera and going out and like just taking pictures and getting developed for his own album art. You know, that's just that's just a different breed. A lot of that's also new school. Like these guys are old school, and back then it was like you had you had management take care of that sort of stuff, and you know it was a huge team that they parceled out whose responsibility was what, and your responsibility as an artist was just to make music. Yeah. Nowadays, that's not really the case. Um, so back then when they first started coming out, like you would have had to be a specific type of person to be like, I want to have hands on, on the artwork and on the band's wardrobe and on our stage production. I want to have right. a hand on everything. That takes, a, that takes like a, like a prince, like a very specific type of person. Whereas nowadays you get a lot more people like that because you have to be, you just like, it's a bunch of people doing it, you know, 
from their bedrooms. Yeah, absolutely. So you're sort of pivoting well, though, because you mentioned how management sort of used to be with bands like this versus how it's a little more hands off now. The reason you came up on the show in this episode in particular was we started talking about Jimmy Eat World getting dropped by Capital right before Bleed American. So Clarity comes out, they tour Clarity, and they have a story that you sort of recapped when you talked about the Heavy Sunshine EP um, that I hear time and time and time again. You get a bunch of A&R guys, they go out and sign a bunch of bands. Jimmy Eat World opened one show at the Troubadour and got signed to Capital. That was like like within six months of being a band. It's just insane. Got dropped by Capital in like 98, 99 because all the A&R people that came up with them left and there was nobody there that cared. And yeah, you just recently posted a very similar story about how long we all waited for Sad People Dancing to come out and it sounded like it was done forever and sat on a shelf for similar reasons. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but like it was a mistake. Like, in hindsight, waiting that long was a mistake. I mean, well, first of all, I don't have management. We had, we had quote unquote management for La Bouquet for like six months that didn't last. Um, so before that and after that, it's just me. So I'm just the guy doing it. And we signed to, yeah, we signed to Razor and Tie, who then, I mean, they didn't, they're not as guilty as like a capital or like a Atlantic, I think is tend, tends to do this a lot, but like those record companies are a little more guilty of signing a bunch of stuff and then throwing all of the darts at the wall, seeing what sticks mm. and then just following that thread. Like those big labels do that. And then you, it doesn't, they can afford to give 20 different people a $50,000 advance. If one of those 50 people or one of those 20 people, whatever, is makes like a hit song. If one of those people was a Katy Perry or an Ariana Grande or an Adele, then that person pays for all of their mistakes with other people. I mean, that's the horror story of a million friends of mine is that they sign to a a major label and then they get shelved because Mm. they hold no power. I mean, dude, historically, that's what K-Flay did. I mean, she worked her way out of it. She signed to Atlantic for years and she was shelved for years. And then she met Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons and he loved her and her music that he bought her out of her deal and signed her. Wow. Look at her. She's, yeah, she's huge now. And so she always had the potential. It was just an Atlantic that was unwilling to work on her stuff. And the way they can do that is like, if you have an album ready to go and your contract is for, let's say your contract's just for an album and you have an album, they'll go, well, we want an EP first. You put out the EP, that doesn't go towards your requirements of like how you can fulfill your deal. Your deal is an album, but they decide when that comes out. So unless you have like a a clause in there that says like, yeah. So anyways, that didn't really happen with us. We were at an indie label that just got bought because they were like, it was Razor and Tie. So times have changed. Like the bands they have on their roster are like not near making them nearly enough money. I think the biggest thing they had honestly was Kidsbox. And I'm I'm not even looking at what it was. So I think that I legitimately think that the label we were on got bought because of Kids Bop. Because I, see. I forget who bought them, like saw how much money Kids Bop was making them and let's say, I don't know, $7 million a year or something. And they're like, cool, let's buy them so that we absorb Kids Bop and the couple other things that are making money and then drop everything else. And you lose the ability to control your product. Right. Well, we you know, well, if we get dropped, we can, we can control it. But 
for a while we were like, we want to put our album out. We want to put our album out. And they were like, well, let's do an EP first. So we did an EP first. And then before we could even put out the album, they got bought. So then you have to go back and forth with your lawyers about getting your masters back because they oh. pay your advance. An advance is basically so that they now own your masters until they get paid back. And then you guys split the money. So we had to get our, we had to get our masters back and then we could have put it out independently and we should have, but I was like, we've worked so long on this. Let's give it a fair shot. Let's look, let's get somebody else to put it out. And we went with a distribution company that didn't do anything. <laughs> so in retrospect, we should have, in retrospect, we should have just, I should have just put the fucking record out three and a half years ago or what, however long ago it was when I finished it and just put it out like the next day because that's people don't care anymore. Like if I would have put the record out the the same day I finished it, it would have gotten as much attention and as much play as it has now. But I waited so long and like I put trust in other people to open doors I couldn't open and to make things happen. And nobody did any of it. So it's frustrating. But I mean, a, a band like Jimmy, theirs was probably a little more like, yeah, capital signed them and probably signed like 30 other people. And then one of the other 30 people started doing well. And they were like, cool. I don't want to, we don't want to pick up this band's option for their next record right. because yeah. we thought they'd make X amount of money and they made less. So, and isn't it a trip? Cause then there's the stories like Jimmy world where they basically went in to make clarity like this. We'll never have this option opportunity again. This will probably be our last record. And they did it with Mark Trombino and they did the huge long goodbye Sky Harbor at the end of it to like use an entire reel of tape just because they could and they were in a big studio and then decided to make Bleed American on their own and shop it themselves, which has been the model that they've done since then. Um, And Bleed American goes platinum. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I, that is amazing and i love that it's not really feasible nowadays because what happens if you do that nowadays is what happened with me like i'm Mm. kind of best case scenario you pay for the record you pay to make the record yourself and then you shop it and i lost a lot of money like i'm 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 still in the red on this band um so it's like you know is it worth it is a huge if nowadays I was going to say, I know that that was, that was sort of where you are at the moment with your latest post with it. Yeah. It's just kind of like, I mean, back then, dude, I, you know, back then I'm sure, yeah, it would have been easier to like, not easier, but if you could make a record that sounded as good as our records in the nineties and shop it around, I'm sure somebody would have been like, wow, this sounds great. Sure. Let's take a shot on these guys because this product sounds good. Whereas nowadays people can churn out high quality sounding products from their bedroom. So it's like, finishing a whole album and then shopping it was kind of a dumb move, but it, I don't know, but life just kind of happened and you have to just roll with it. Whereas back then, you know, it's a little more like, especially once they already have the success with one and they can do it over and over again for albums. It's like, yeah, we have the money to pay to get the album made and then we'll shop it and it's good. So it'll, that's a good point. You know, whereas nowadays it's a little more like it, it can't just, it can't just be good and it can't just sound well. Like there also needs to be, blank which who knows what that is but <laughs> i mean i'm really glad that uh you 
were willing to come on and talk about it because there's Justin and I who don't work in the music industry at all doing our armchair version of like, oh, well, it's just this and it's just that. And we don't take into consideration that like, yeah, the model in the late 90s is not viable now um, to go that route. Um, So I appreciate that. At least at least that way. I mean, bands are also kind of just dying. Like, I mean, it's not it's not not fully, but like being in a band is like way more expensive than not being in a band. Yeah. And I thought being in a band was expensive in 2005. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I can't do this forever. You know what I mean? Like, It definitely was, but you also, you like, A, you had less competition if you were like already going because it was like, yeah, not every Joe Blow with like a computer had like a song online. And then also like you made more money from it. So it was like more sustainable. Like once you got going to keep going, whereas now it's a little more like, you need to do all the work first and then somebody will sign you. And then, you know, you get your, you get your, your good stories of it happening to good people and to people who deserve it, like a love with a band or something where they've worked their ass off for years and other bands. And then it just happened because they had a, like a song go viral and then people jumped on board. Um, but for the other part, like I always used to tell people, like think about the last five years, and like, what is a, what is, what's a massive band that's come out in the last five years? Not a massive right. band that's in the last five years, but that's come out in the last five years. They're like, there isn't one. There's like the 1975, but they were before that. They were around from, they were playing in like 2013 or 12. And they've been around even before that. But like, what's the, what's a band that's really broken in the last like five years that's massive? Right. That that's still massive because there's bands that come out and have a really like a song of the summer. Like, um, who's the guy? Oh gosh, they came out uh, the yellow album art with the four members on it. They were huge. The shut up and dance with me song. Dance with me, yeah. Walk the moon. Yeah, but I mean that was a huge song of the summer. And I think I spun their new record once, you know? <laughs> yeah, they also they also had been around. Oh, yeah, see, yeah. I mean, what was their first record? It was 2012. I remember they played a venue in Santa Barbara that my friend opened up for. Um, but, yeah, it's just funny because it's like, that's what I mean. It's like, Jim, like Jimmy's one of those bands that, that, that kept up with it, which is good because then, you know, if you like rock music, you get your fill every time they put out an album because there's not a lot of bands doing it. Like I, I have a hard yeah. time. I'm even trying to think about like, I can think of like local bands because they're friends of mine, but like big bands, like maybe Laney, but they're almost again. Yeah. I love Laney, but they're playing, you know, probably 1200, 1500 seat theaters right now. Right? No, they're bigger than that. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, Oh yeah, they're playing like El Rey and like, <laughs> no, when did they get big though? I mean, like their first EP that I heard was 2015. So yeah, maybe, maybe they're an example of a band that's gotten big in the last five years. But I mean, there's just not that many. Whereas like, if you name, if you want to be the name rappers or um, country artists or EDM artists in the last five years, I could give you like 20, but bands, yep. it's like Laney and who else? Like, uh, no, yeah, by the way, I saw Laney play, Laney played the Greek. And then the next night they played, that venue at USC, what's it called? The Shrine or no? The Galen Center? or Oh, the Shrine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was huge. It was like 7,000 people or something. That's nuts. Wow, good for them. That's where Mike Kim is going to play their first show back 
<laughs> yeah, really. But yeah, and that's why you're getting bands that are coming back too, because people people want rock music, but labels don't want to sign rock bands. We're you're like, we're caught in this weird middle ground of like people want rock, people want guitars, people are searching for it, and then labels aren't signing anybody, so that's why you're getting like huge resurgences of like emo bands, emo night, rock bands reuniting, even hip hop using like guitar and stuff, people remixing old songs, Post Malone getting Ozzy Osbourne on a song. People want rock and they, they maybe they don't know they want it, but people want it and they want something new and something good, but no label is signing rock bands. Like there's yeah. no major label that's going to go out and sign a rock band. That's like suicide when they know they can sign like a kid in his bedroom making like you know, SoundCloud rap that'll make them more money and the overhead's very low. Whereas signing a band is way harder to like make it break and like pay everybody and keep everybody happy and all this shit. It's, it's, yeah, it sucks to think about from, for other people. I mean, not for <laughs> You're bumming me out. And, but, and I sort of talk about that on the show is like, I, I lament, I lament, I lament. I'm like, I don't know, man, the music industry's fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fucked. It's not fucked for rock music because it's like something, Something out of the music industry's control would have to happen to make other, to make labels start signing rock bands again. Like you would basically need, like take what happened to Post Malone, which is like he kind of manifested all that and like the stars just kind of aligned rather than like he wasn't, a label didn't sign him early and put a bunch of money behind him. He's fully like, he's just this phenomenon that people really like and, and can get behind. Something like that needs to happen with a rock band out of nowhere that's a legitimate band of like more than three people, like, like four people in it for labels to start being like, Oh shit. Did you see that this thing popped off and then, uh, universal signed them and put out their album and now they're making a hundred million dollars. We need to do that with our version of that. And then everybody will start signing bands again, but it's going to take, something outside of their control to happen for them to even like start considering it, you know? Yeah. Do you feel optimistic about the future of rock bands and <laughs> major label? Uh... That's a, there's a two, two pronged answer to that, which is one, no, I don't feel optimistic about it. Two, I don't really care. Like, I'm not really like, <laughs> like I, I say all of that, not in like a poor me way because I'm not really a rock guy. Like I know a lot of rock music, but like, Besides La Bouquet, I don't really, I write songs for like TV shows and commercials. That's like my job. And then my other main job is I write songs for other people. So whether that's, it could be anything. It could be country artists or pop artists or whatever. And then I have my solo projects, which is like electronic alternative pop. So a very small portion of my world is based in rock. So I don't really have a stake in it. I, I don't really have a dog in the fight. Like, I don't think the future for rock music is good. <laughs> Th- that sucks because I want new rock. I want new cool. I want the next Jimmy Eat World, you know? Like, I love Jimmy Eat World. But I, wanted, yeah. I want someone to come, o- come along and have the same impact that they had to me when I was 12 years old sitting in a car in Pennsylvania yeah. listening on a Walkman. I want somebody who's 12 years old now to listen to some band and then be 29 years old like I am now and be talking about them on a podcast. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I mean by, I think that it's the, the future is bad is I can't see that happening. I can't see that being yeah. a band that starts right now, puts out their debut. And then in 15, 20 years, 
they're still around putting out new music and people are talking about it. And I just, I don't know. It seems that seems bleak from a 2019 perspective, but get out there, kids, buy yourself a guitar, buy yourself a drum set, hit something, break something. (laughs) Well, Brian, I really, really appreciate. I mean, I, I love picking your brain. I know that, yeah, you don't have, uh, necessarily uh, a dog in the fight of like whether or not rock bands are going to succeed, but you definitely have the most experience in it that I love picking your brain and hearing you tell stories from a uh, from an experiential point of view. Um, where do you is there anything you want to plug? I know you have a show on December 22nd. Oh, yeah. So La Bouquet has a show December 22nd with a band called Emerosa that I actually grew up listening to. They're a pretty different band now from what they used to be, but um, they're awesome. They're just, they're just, they're more up our alley now, honestly, than they used to be. They used to be a little more like Warped Tory. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember them. 2007, 2008, that's when I got into them. And then I fell off a little bit and then we got offered the show and so I checked it out and they're, they're definitely more up our alley now, but they're less like uh, Warped Tory. But that's December 22nd. And then... Uh, I do a solo project called All Over the Kid, All Over Two Vs, um, and that um, has kind of been the main focus lately because just had a bunch of cool things happen with that. Um, so awesome. I have a new song with these like these like electronic artists that uh, I've been like flying out and playing it with them whenever they play. So um, yeah, so yeah, All Over the Kid on Instagram and Twitter or La Bouquet Band on Instagram and Twitter. Other than that, I really appreciate it. So on the 22nd, uh, and I'm going to ask because A, it was awesome, and B, Jimmy World has a sax solo on their new record. Are you going to have the sax player out for the show in December? Wow. Uh, Yeah, he has, the sax solo has taken the place of our other guitarist. Oh, sick. Yeah, I, I talked about it in the post, but when the other guitarist left, which is understandably so, like I said, it's just this cupping event. Um, we were like, do we get another guitarist? Do we just roll as a three-piece, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I know this guy plays sax. How about I just have him come? And he started out just playing, like, the guitar solos, but on sax. And then yeah. by and then by the time we had our last show, we were just like, hey, do you just want to play the whole set? And he was like, yeah, Dude. but I only really know, the, like, the solo parts. And I, I legitimately just told him, I was like, I don't care. I was like, play whatever you want. I was like, you know, oh, man. Like, don't don't play too much and get in the way. Like, you know, when you know the song, so you know, when there's breaks that are good to play. So yeah. he plays those every time now. Yeah. He's a, he, he replaced. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Players. I did not realize that at all, uh, that he was playing every show now. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, my wife and I have a kid who's due on the 18th or else we would be at that show. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Um, man. So, that's awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh, and we're both really, really huge fans. So we're going to raise a couple all over the kid and lob fans for sure. cool thanks man Um, yeah thanks for having me yeah man well thanks for coming we'll see you on the internet and uh, until next time I'll talk to you later alrighty